This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mullen Haw Show. Dan Weederer from Chicago Tribune is in Cleveland in the aftermath of the Bears' 20-17 loss to the Cleveland Browns. The Browns rally from a 17-7 fourth quarter Deficit. The Bears blow another double-digit fourth-quarter lead. Dan, they're now five and nine instead of being six and eight. And then they had they won this game, had they held on to that lead, we could have a very different conversation. Instead, it will sound very familiar because the Bears found a way to lose another winnable game. David, I've been in some dispirited locker rooms over my time on this beat. I've been in some dispirited locker rooms this season. I'm not sure I've been in one that was this shocked, this stunned, this in disbelief at what happened late in this football game today. The Bears weren't necessarily playing their best brand of football, but they were playing tough. They were being opportunistic. Defense was carrying the day. And then to see it all slide away in the fourth quarter, uh, with a defense that, again, that had had been really, really good for most of the day, allowing Joe Flacco to throw for 212 passing yards in the fourth quarter. It blows your mind. And then, as you know, the game ends with a Hail Mary in the lap of Darnell Mooney. And somehow, instead of securing a storybook catch that would have kept a potential storybook run going, he bobbles it and kicks it up into the air where a, a Brown safety intercepts it. I leave here tonight just thinking that maybe this was just a timely reminder that this team isn't there yet and they're a long way from there yet. And this climb is really steep and losses like this, as much as they hurt, should provide you a, a reality check. I do think that's the big takeaway. I do think that after the last couple of weeks, it was fun. I mean, there was a lot of fun in celebrating the way the, they beat the Lions and they survived the Vikings. And boy, if they could get three in a row, they could get, you know, six in a row to end the season. And then what? I think that was fun. But this was a reality check. This was, you know, a team that doesn't know how to finish and certainly defensively played at a very high level. Looked like a top five defense for three yeah. quarters. Joe Flacco did what clutch quarterbacks do when they're veteran and they're savvy and they know all the things you know, that he found a way to make the throw and he and he made things happen. 
you know, that throw, when you look at that pass, a 51-yard touchdown to Amari Cooper, he threw the ball, um, and all of that was based on faith and experience. Yeah. He threw it to a spot. And he knew that Amari Cooper might be there. He might not be there. But the chances are, if he is there, something good is going to happen. You know, you can't really, you can't really, if you don't have that, you're not going to have that. He's 38 years old. He's been around forever. And he just willed this Browns team to a victory in a game they should not have won. Well, David, that's one of two throws in the fourth quarter that guys on the Bears defense are going to be replaying in their nightmares on Sunday night and into Monday and into Tuesday and into Wednesday. That play in particular, there's a a triangle of defenders. It's Brisker, it's Edmonds, it's Terrell Smith. And somebody there has got to make a, a, a better... Uh, play on the football. Matt Eberflus said after the game that that ball was in the air long enough for someone to, at the very least, deflect it. As uh, you know, a, 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 in a best case scenario, you intercept it. Instead, Amari Cooper has it in his hands and he's running the last 27 yards into the end zone for a game time touchdown that led you to believe that the Bears are losing this game, right? Like they're just not able to make those plays when they matter the most. The other one that was was crushing on the Browns' game winning field goal drive in the fourth quarter was third and 15 from Flacco to David Njoku. It covers yep. 34 yards, and it comes with the Bears sending a six-man pressure that left Justin Jones backpedaling into coverage and David Njoku getting behind him for what ends up being the, the, the catch that pushes the Browns into field goal range. There was some, some heavy regret, I think, uh, among the Bears defenders in the locker room about that play. Justin Jones did not seem all that thrilled about having to play coverage on that play. Obviously, Matty Reflus explains that the, the pressure there, you're hoping for Flacco to get rid of the ball quick and then to tackle the ball underneath. Uh, Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, and Tremaine Edmonds are all running in his blitzers on that play, and Flacco retreats enough to see what he needs to see and loft it over the top of a 308-pound defensive tackle, and the rest is history. You know how it works when you talk about Matt Eberflus and the defensive improvements on his watch that when you think about all of the good, the one one play, the image of Justin Jones flailing around trying to cover a world-class tight end down the field is going to stand out and burn an indelible image in your memory as much as – and that's going to that's gonna outweigh a lot of the good. I don't know how they got in that situation. I don't know how you get in that situation, especially in the fourth quarter – but there he was, number 93, trying to chase Njoku down the field. And Flacco made the pass, and then Njoku did the rest after the catch, and he had a big day. He had the toe-tap touchdown. He had that big play. Ten catches. Ten catches. Ten catches for a tight end that the Bears didn't find a way to stop. As good as their defense was on occasion, Montez Thread has three sacks. You know, they have three takeaways. They lead yeah. the turnovers. But, Dan – when they needed a stop, they couldn't make one. It's it's frustrating because those three takeaways were all huge. You know, Eddie Jackson gets the early interception and returns it to the one and gives the offense the gift that it needed because the offense wasn't doing anything on its own this afternoon. And so you get a, a, a one-yard touchdown drive for your offense. You get a, a pick six from Tremaine Edmonds in the third quarter, and you say, okay, thanks, defense. You're, you're single-handedly scoring our points while keeping the points off the other team's scoreboard. And then maybe the play of the day, had the Bears won this game, was the Tyreek Stevenson interception. Right. Uh, one play. 
One play. snap after the Bears gave the ball up on a muffed punt by by Trent Taylor, and Tyreek Stevenson makes a tremendous play in zone coverage, uses his instincts, notices Njoku bending his route to the inside, says, I think that's where Flacco's going with the ball, and broke on it. And it's one of those plays that it, it seems heroic in the moment that it happens. And then you leave the stadium at the end of the night, and you're going, it's not heroic, and it's just a footnote on another galling loss, the third this year where the Bears had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter and couldn't finish. And so here we are in that same uh, familiar refrain with a team that, that can't finish. And I, I think, David, those who were looking for questions uh, or answers to the questions about the the, the head coach and the quarterback uh, probably got some resounding answers this afternoon because neither of those guys did enough to help this team win a football game that it had to have. We'll go through all this when we do our pod tomorrow on the, and post it on Tuesday morning. But, Dan, just real quickly, when Matt Eberflus explained the decision at the end of the first half to – take the chance at the Hail Mary coming through and the prayer being answered rather than take the chance with a 55-yard field goal in difficult conditions, rain and wind with Cairo Santos. Yeah. What did he say and what did you think? Well, look, I, so, I mean, he did explain that that the line, they weren't at to their kick line, you know, and that's established in pregame. And I will tell you, I, you know, I had a chance to be down on the field before the game. The wind was significant, and particularly in that direction, and the conditions were were significant. And so I think 55 in, in, in this environment today was probably uh, too much of an ask. You needed to get a, a, a bite a little bit more off there at the end. And that was a pretty good drive at the end of the half for them to, to cross midfield, get themselves in position, and then uh, ultimately not come away with points is disappointing, but I didn't have a problem in that particular instance. I had a much bigger problem with a jet sweep to uh, Tyler Scott on that. Was that third and one or fourth and one? It was, le- it was, it was basically a foot uh, and, and, and you run a jet sweep to a 185 pound receiver that gets stopped. And that's one of those moments where if, if I get it, the Browns have a good defense. Their front was nasty all day, but if you can't rely on a traditional running game to get you a yard, with Justin Fields or Deontay Foreman or a- anyone else, I, I just I, that that one that one stuck with me a little bit. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So there were other things that came up. I, I'm just curious about the post-game locker room that you described well because you've been in so many of them. This one was a little different. Do you think it was partly because we spent the last two, the last two weeks talking about playoff possibilities and this team might oh, be yeah. bought into that idea? And, and Cole Komet and DJ Moore were like, okay, if we can win out, we could do this. Was the realization setting in at that point? I, I think it was 100%. Uh, related to that. You know, Eddie Jackson was the first guy I talked to in that locker room and he needed a good 
three minutes slumped in the back of his locker stall to gather himself to, to even be able to talk. Like he was fighting heavy emotion. And I think a lot of it, David, was this idea that they were playing a more competitive brand of football, that they did have uh, a test today against a depleted Browns team that would have given them further momentum and further belief going into a stretch of the schedule that, that, you know, the next couple of weeks, it's a lower degree of difficulty. And so you were, you were staring at at the runway for takeoff, you know, And, and then to play as well as they did defensively for three quarters, to have a double digit lead on the road with the brand of defense that they were playing. You, you just, you, you know, you're, you're 45 minutes of real time away from the most joyous return flight to Chicago that you could imagine. And then you leave with that, that just crushed feeling in your stomach. And, and it was very real to see that uh, on the faces of these players, to hear it in the, in the voices of these players is this was uh this was a gut punch. Uh, that's, you know, I, I, I wrote in my column for Chicago tribune.com, the NFL, uh, the NFL's 24-hour rule doesn't always apply. It's not a one-size-fits-all remedy, and this one's going to linger. It's going to stink. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. We talked about Flacco and the 212 yards passing in the fourth quarter, making the plays in the clutch. Justin Fields also, in fairness, had an opportunity to make plays in the clutch. They got the ball back with 30 seconds to go, and then before that, he had another opportunity. And when we evaluate, when we evaluate where he's going and, and what he's capable of, Dan, I, I don't think that we can ignore this. I don't think that it's all on him with protection and weapons and all of that and Getsy. I but I don't think that you can also always try to look for excuses or rationalizations for why this isn't working. He's not let's, let's I'm not gonna say he's not working. Let's say after 36 starts, he remains a work in progress. And that reality is probably, you know, answering the question that, that everyone is asking is if he is he the guy that you can win because of in a game like this. Today, today you just didn't. 19 for 40 passing. Yeah. One, 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 one touchdown drive. And it, and it, and it was a one yarder, right? A one yard touchdown drive. That was all you could muster in a gotta have it game with, with the stakes that were here today. Uh, you know, you, you talk about the, the getting the ball back with 34 seconds left. Well, look, after Amari Cooper scored the game tying touchdown, there were three minutes and eight seconds left and the offense had the ball again. Okay. This is response time. This is where great quarterbacks or even you know, uh, above average franchise quarterbacks make their money. It's where they, they they stamp their legacy. You get the ball and you go down and you score. What did the Bears do? They went three and out in a matter of a minute and 18 seconds, I think it was, or a minute and 20 seconds, somewhere around there. Three and out, three and out. There's a toss play to Khalil Herbert that loses yards. There's a deep shot to Darnell Mooney that doesn't connect. And then there's a, a check down to uh, Roshan Johnson that gets three yards. You know, and, and and so like this isn't the first time we've been in this situation. I I I, I just leave here like asking myself: At what point uh, has Justin Fields elevated this offense? At what point has Justin Fields elevated a number of guys in this offense to new levels? At what point has Justin Fields elevated this team? And as you mentioned, we're 35 starts into this, and there have been countless opportunities with the game on the line, with the, the score tied or the Bears behind by three or or whatever it may be, to go lead those drives that tell the world that, that you are for real as a quarterback that, that can seize those moments. They're rarely seized. There's one game-winning drive in Minnesota with the pass to DJ Moore. Otherwise, there's a ton of disappointment and a ton of missed opportunities and a ton of excuses for why it doesn't happen. But I just I, – I, I, Ryan Poles was sitting right behind us uh, in the press box today. I just can't imagine him watching this football game today and um, 
doing anything more than a gigantic leap of faith to to put all your chips behind Justin Fields going forward from here. Were you in the locker room when DJ Moore was talking? Were you around his locker when he was talking? About I was Justin? not. I was in the locker room, but I was I was uh, I was with the defensive side of the guys when he was. Okay, talking. no, I, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm just curious because there's a lot coming out of the locker room as there always is. And Courtney Cronin had a, an exchange with some out of town reporters asking DJ Moore about the quarterback situation and him saying that basically. I don't think that Drake May or or Caleb Williams is better than Justin Fields because it had reached that level of discussion apparently. And there's a lot. I of would say that about my good friend too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, he's your he's your teammate. You have three more games to go with him, and he's been a big reason why you've had um, success this year because of that chemistry. I think that if there's a Bears player that doesn't support Justin Fields in the final three weeks or this season. That would be news, and you wouldn't expect it because the one thing you come across or come out with even a game like this, you respect the toughness of Justin Fields. He takes hits, keeps coming back. The hit at the end of the first half, it was awkward, and he got he got banged up pretty good, and then he comes back and he answers the call. That's never going to be the, the question about Justin no. Fields. It's always going to be like, can he make the pass? Can he hit the receiver when he needs – who's open – on a drive you have to have. Today, that didn't happen. Anyone who's watched the NFL for more than two years understands that these games come down to the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, your quarterback has to be a efficient and productive passer to win football games. Justin Fields' fourth quarter stats during his career are not that. There are so many moments, as we just talked about, where the game is in his hands and he doesn't do anything with it. Today's another example. Justin Fields, the person awesome dude. He should have the support of his teammates in the locker room. He, he is a, a, a tough-minded leader with incredible resolve and, and, and a spirit that you would want to rally behind. Uh, any leader would be blessed to have some of the, the things in, in their genes that, that Justin Fields has. But this is a, a cutthroat league where you have to make cutthroat decisions to try to take your team to championship levels. And right now, you said it, 35 starts. We've seen 35 starts of evidence, and there has been improvement, but there is no indication that, that there he's ever going to ascend above maybe the top 15 top 12 quarterbacks in the league and his ability to to take over games and win them this is a team today in the cleveland browns that was beat up defensively they're still really good and you saw that all afternoon today and I, and I was eager for justin to take this test but go back to tampa you've got a blitz heavy team that puts a lot of pressure on and you don't respond go to minnesota the two games they played against them blitz heavy team you don't respond this this group gets its pressure with its front four and miles garrett and zadarius smith Anytime that you have a significant amount of pressure, the the, the production lags. And what were the final numbers today? 19 for 40? I don't know what the final... Uh, 166. 166. You know, yeah. 166. You know, and, and it, that's not an outlier. It's not an outlier. We the, the, the quarterback of your football team doesn't get to 200 passing yards on a regular basis. And there are people say, well, adding the rushing stats. Well, what do we have in rushing stats today? 32? So, or so, somewhere around there. So we didn't even get to 200 total yards. And the bottom line is, look, like... like there have been opportunities, right? Like you've had your opportunities and it is where it is right now. And, and I just, it, it's just hard for me to believe with what's at stake for this franchise that they would sit and take what I, I think would be a gigantic leap of faith to stick behind them. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, you have to have their standards higher than that. And I think that's the problem with the Bears who guaranteed now for the 23rd time in the last 32 seasons, they'll not have a winning record. That to me is terrible for a charter franchise to have yeah. that tradition of losing Dan I wonder this also we talked about what though basically the conversation will be around Justin Fields this week around Matt Eberflus I, I do wonder a couple things number one the defense 
did give them a chance to win. So it's very difficult. You can still argue that defense is on the verge of some, something special. What Darnell Mooney said to reporters afterward about being lackadaisical in the third quarter and the offense becoming rather complacent. And they, those are the kind of things in generalities, even if it's not true, <laughs> I, I think you're going to stick with a coach who preaches about intensity and culture and all those things. What in the world could the Bears be possibly complacent about or lackadaisical over leading a good team in the Browns on the road in the third quarter? That didn't make any sense, but it will come back and I think be used against Matt Eberflus when they talk about culture. Yeah, and I don't know how much truth there is to it. If there was any semblance of complacency or comfortability from this offense that did nothing today, it's it would be astounding. And maybe it goes back to some of those conversations we had in the summer where they were getting their um, lunch fed to them by the defense and and there were calls for juice from the offense, right? You remember those days at training camp when we were talking about who, who on this offense is going to be the alpha to supply the juice in that huddle when it's needed. If, if, if you had any level of complacency today in this game with the stakes that were on the line, with the opponent you were playing, with the lead that you had, it's, it's, it's absolutely unforgivable and inexcusable. And the leaders of the football team have the answer for that. If it, if it was indeed true, you know, I, Justin Fields was asked about it and I don't think he agreed with Darnell's assessment there, but the bottom line is, is this team just uh, rarely finds the ability to go for the jugular, to get the knockout punch, to deliver in ways that, that, that allow you to say, okay, you know, that's a team that should be taken seriously. I just think people are grabbing grasping at straws and searching for answers that aren't easy to come by. So that's, that, that could be the case as well. Yeah. You know, that could be something like that. And, and we'll wrap this up, but I, but I think overall, you know, when you look at what happened to the bears, I just think that, you know, the Browns, they had backups for backups. They were down, you know, you talk about injury situations. Yeah. They, they, theirs was worse than the bears. The bears might've been banged up, but not as badly as the Browns. The Browns found a way to win at home. Flacco wins, earns $75,000 based on his new contract and uh, for every victory. And they're nine and five. The Bears fall to five and nine. The last three games are essentially playing out the string. Not sure what can be achieved by the final three games, but there will be plenty of conversation. Uh, I, I think that moving forward, you wonder about, you wonder about the offense because it sure seems broken right now. This was the fourth game-winning kick by Dustin Hopkins this season, and that's a, a indicator of a team that seizes its chances to win games late. You know, that's been in a number of close games, and it ha has come out on the on the, the the strong end of it. Kevin Stefanski deserves a lot of credit for for holding this team together with all the injuries they've had to to, to key big time playmakers on their roster and still positioning them to seize a a potential playoff berth. You watch teams around the league, David, that that are depleted, that have issues, that are shorthanded and they still find ways to win. And in Chicago, you watch a team that continues to find ways to lose and then everybody makes excuses for uh, why they're losing and then and then searches for the fall guy uh, to, to blame it on in particular. And so a lot of heavy decisions ahead for the Bears. We're going to get a beautiful late afternoon Christmas Eve game against the Arizona Cardinals. Like who can't wait for that one, you know, uh, to, <laughs> to, kick, to kick off the holiday season. I know I'm, I'm looking forward to it and that that's the direction we'll go. Do you, do you want a couple, uh, couple three word uh, reviews before we get out of here. Yes, let's do that. It wouldn't surprise you that Fire Luke Getze is uh, through this thread several times in here. I think that's an, uh, an easy knee-jerk reaction, although I made my uh, feelings very clear about that J Tyler Scott uh, jet sweep. Uh, John Saxa gives us Mooney drops extension. Chance to be a hero when he doesn't come on his way. 
uh, fire the coach. Matt Eberflus's job security is going to get a little thinner in uh, the court of a public opinion this week. Prasithi Lee gives us draft quarterback 2024. I think that's the direction that a lot of people are going to start to lean, given what we've seen here. Uh, Dan, reading is my thing, gives us typical Bears loss. Can't disagree with him there because we've had a lot of these. Uh, a, f- a few more here. Uh, 312 Sports Guy gives us Caleb and Ben. I like that one because that's a Christmas wish list, right? Caleb Williams and Ben Johnson uh, to the Bears. That would be something that that people in Chicago would like. Uh, hey, Scott Anthony gives us kick to balls. I like that one. It expresses the feeling that a lot of Bears fans felt Sunday afternoon. A couple last ones here. Catch the ball. Uh, don't drop it. And then two drop touchdowns. Don't forget about the Robert Tunyon miss early in the game on a deep oh, shot that was there for the day. Brutal. Is he walking home? Is he hitchhiking with Trent Taylor? I mean, both <laughs> those mistakes were really, really bad. Just and things I, you can't have happen in a game like this. Yeah. Oh, by the way, before we get out of here, did you hear your shout out on the Fox <laughs> broadcast? That was very – I hope we can get audio of that. Maybe we can play it. Uh, well, Chris Tannehill's already pulled the audio, which is a great thing. The sound guy always is uh, the guy you lean on for the sound, and he sent it to me because I was getting a lot of texts that I had been mentioning Excellent. on – a broadcast and uh yeah so uh, that, what's, what's uh, behind that are you I, I, no i wrote i wrote a piece uh about justin fields in my storylines package and i think one yeah. of the lines i had in there was that um something about the the first start here in cleveland two years ago is 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 definitely still a subplot to this this entire return to cleveland and it'll likely be mentioned on the broadcast by kevin kugler and mark sanchez and kevin kugler said you know dan we to the tribune said we're going to mention it so we're going to mention it so one uh, apparently i've got a another a reading audience here and Kevin Kugler, and he saw that. I'll have to reach out to him and uh, th- thank him for the shout out because I was getting a lot of a lot of texts. Kevin Kugler, good Chicago guy. I think he's going to be on the game next week as well, along with the the Sanchez. Well, he'll be in town for Christmas, and uh, he can maybe by then we'll all be able to celebrate some type of Cubs signing because I think that he's a Cub fan, you're a Cub fan. So I figured he was just he was just shouting you out, but that was nice. It was good to hear. Like, whoa, hey, hey, they just gave Dan a shout out. Awesome. <laughs> All right, we'll be back on Tuesday morning when we drop the Take the North podcast, and we'll look ahead, and we'll look back, and we'll evaluate the quarterback position and the latest speculation because that's what the final three weeks are all about as well. Anything else, Dan, before we go? No, I'm really eager to, to kind of get into the rewatch of this in some ways and figure out what went wrong defensively in the fourth and then see if the offense had anything that they could have got going. A running game, non-factor today, David. Justin Fields generated no momentum, and you walk out of here with that crushing feeling in your stomach, and I don't know how easy it is for this team to get back up given where this season is at and what's left in it. I think there's going to be a natural emotional letdown in Week 16. Uh, I think that's pretty uh, accurate based on experience and certainly from watching, I can understand why you'd come to that conclusion. All right. Safe travels back. We'll drop this uh, Tuesday morning podcast looking ahead. We appreciate you tuning in tonight to get our post-game reaction to the Bears 20 to 17 loss. It drops them to five and nine. And oh, by the way, probably out of playoff contention. I don't know how realistic it ever was, but now this is reality smack dab in the face. Sorry about that, but it happened. 20 to 17 losers to the Browns, blow a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter. This is what you get when you can't protect the lead. All right, that's enough from us. We'll talk to you on Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. Great talk. See you out there.